You are busy. You are always on the go. But are you making time for you? The Y is dedicated to helping you stay active, live better, and find the best possible version of you. From basketball courts to functional training space, indoor pools, and yoga studios, the best of Knoxville is right in your backyard. Group classes and personal trainers that will challenge and encourage you. The Y has something for everyone. Join the Y and get unlimited access to all five locations. From the heart of downtown Knoxville to Farragut and Halls, all with no contracts. For a better us. Hey guys, this is for you, the listeners of the Daily Brew Podcast. I want to tell you about Audible. Audible's offering a free audiobook download, and they're offering it with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their great service. Get your free audiobook download and free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash dailybrew. I like listening to the Chronicles of Narnia audiobook with my daddy. We recognize no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. This was said not by a pastor, not by a religious fanatic, but by President John Adams. When it comes to politics, does it matter who you vote for, whether you vote at all? What does the Bible say about Christians and politics? This week we discuss Christians and politics. This is the day. This is the Daily Brew. I'm your host Adam Hall. This is my co-host Jeremy Thornburg. What's going on? See, I mean, his, his introductions get better and better every week. So I'm thankful for this. Hey, <laughs> it, 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 it took three seconds off the cuff. That's how we roll. <laughs> That's how we roll. Okay, we are a Christian podcast examines various biblical and cultural issues through the lens of Christ. Um, this week we are actually going to be interviewing uh, Russell Moore. Uh, you've probably seen him on the news no matter which uh, news agency you uh, watch discussing di- different political issues. So this particular week we're going to be talking about uh, Christians and politics. It's a very divisive issue, um, but it's definitely one that we need to look at. Uh, there's a lot of different views in regards to politics. And just to show that they um, are important and that Christians are called to think truth, uh, we'll start off with uh, Romans 13.1. It talks about this. It says, let every person be subject to their governing authorities. There's no authority except from God. And those that exist, exist have been instituted by God. So we see that in the end, no matter where we end up in this election, I know uh, it's very it's been a very divisive election. Honestly, I, Jeremy, you can attest to this as well. I cannot think of a, a worse election when it comes to candidates. Um, and that's what, no. what's funny about it is usually you have – uh, people who are really passionate about their candidates, uh, either on the Republican or the Democratic Party. This time, everybody hates everybody. It's like uh, we're all united together to hate both candidates. 
the only way you could possibly uh, that, that this election could possibly be worse, and that we would hate the candidates more, is if Chad Kroger from Nickelback ran third party, <laughs> and it was just those three leading. That's probably the only way that you can make people despise this election more. But 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 in, in all. But, I mean, in all seriousness, it is. It's divided. I mean, you, you've seen Christians disagree over it, and, um, you know, uh, it, it's kind of fascinating watching Christians kind of fight amongst themselves on who should lead this country, and it kind of brings you back to questions like, you know, how much should we speak to political issues as, as Christians, and uh, should we, you know, should uh, putting uh, people on the Supreme Court for pro-life issues, should that be like the be-all, end-all, or are there other issues? Yeah, some of those those topics too. It does get. Uh, I think that's where you get the really divisive issues. A lot of people thinking, hey, if I don't vote for Donald Trump, then Hillary Clinton's going to put uh, more liberal people in the Supreme Court, and no one likes either candidate. But they're like, he seems to be the least of all evils. And then you start getting into discussion: Are we obligated to vote vote for the least of all evils? Are we obligated to vote at all? Or are we obligated to get a third party in a situation like that? And I think that's where uh, the division arises. And I think the, the thing that we need to remind each other is that throughout Scripture, no matter where we see, we see Christians under corrupt rulers, whether that be um, uh, Pharaoh and Israel. Uh, you see them, they're faithfully serving Israel. Maybe uh, uh, Daniel, uh, the whole book of Daniel, you see Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego refusing to bow the knee to a corrupt leader, or even Daniel and Limestone refusing to, to bow the knee to a corrupt leader. And then you see uh, Paul, Paul, one who was heavily persecuted, uh, even Jesus heavily persecuted and refusing to um, to bow the knee to anyone but uh, Yahweh, the true Lord. Um, it's not that they, they're willing, Paul calls us to submit to these ruling authorities, yet at the same time he is very passionate that uh, we are called to, to spread the gospel, and God is our ultimate authority, and that uh, we're part of a, a greater kingdom, uh, one, is not the, one that's not here on earth, and that we're to live as if we're in this kingdom rather than uh, the one that is present. So in light of the fact that we're living in, as if, uh, as Luther and Augustine would say, we're living in two different kingdoms at the same time, the kingdom of God and also the kingdom of man, we have this concept that we need to, to be preparing ourselves and living as if uh, we're part of a, a greater kingdom and showing the world what it looks like to live under the reign of a true king. Um, so in, in light of that, I would say that uh, we're guaranteed persecution. So no matter which ruler comes in, Jesus says if they persecuted you, they'll persecute you also. Obviously, we shouldn't pursue persecution, and we shouldn't try to antagonize or hope for more persecution. Um, I mean, we all long for uh, Luke 11, the Lord's Prayer, to come true, where the um, the kingdom of heaven to come down here on earth, and that in the end we want the the reversal of sin. We want to see the uh, to Eden be restored in the long run, and we should should praise when those things when we have uh, righteous rulers. But in the midst of persecution, in the midst of um, corrupt rulers, we're still called to be faithful. We're still called to be faithful stewards and, and faithful. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I agree. Um, I mean, re regardless of who wins, uh, I, I think it's very important for us to remember at the end of the day that God put them in leadership, regardless of whether they're corrupt, whether they're good. God put them there. And, um, I mean, it's a lot like Israel in the Old Testament. I mean, you have to go through bad leaders. God will, I mean, God will put bad leaders in place, and you have to live through it. And, um I think, you know, it's one of those things that if, if as a Christian, if you're only thinking this kingdom, 
um, you know, it, it tends to – you do tend to talk about people who vote the other way as enemies because you're only thinking about right now. And at the end of the day, when you look at both candidates, you see a lot of corruption. I mean, you, you saw Trump's comments, you know, three weeks ago that he made about women. I mean, no no Christian can endorse what he said about women, but at the same time, you've got you've got Hillary Clinton, and she has just absolutely went off the the train tracks with uh, with all the corruption that she's committed for the last twenty years. And I think it's I think if Christians would get the mindset of the fact that that we're in the world but not of the world. I think it really helps with politics long term because God's called us to be a witness to our neighbor, and God's called us to be an influence to um, an influence to the culture, uh, in the sense that they see us as a counterculture, and that it's it's um, it's something that they desire because we're we're loving one another. Um, different people groups with different um, with different political backgrounds can come together. Even though they disagree on these issues here and now, and they they worship the the one true living God, and I think as Christians, it's a call for us for unity right now. Definitely, and I think too, whenever we start living in this uh, this counterculture, when we start living as people of a counterculture, um, it really, uh, as Tim Keller went to a conference recently, and he was talking about the the Christian worldview, so the Christian thoughts, basically the whole system of Christianity, it out narrates the secular culture. So. People are looking for a savior on Capitol Hill, and no matter which party he's in, and he comes in and he does everything they ever wanted, and they realize, hey, I'm still not happy. There's still hungry people. There's still people starving. So when they put all their hope in the savior on Capitol Hill, and then he ends up falling apart and he ends up never satisfying, that's when the Christian counterculture offers it out narrates. It offers a better story, if you want to think of it that way. Um, than any secular role that you could ever offer, so that no matter how much we can give, we can be like the Salvation Army and give and give and give, and yet the people we're giving to, they still want more. It's just like a, the, basically the Christmas uh, effect. Whenever you, your kids get all the gifts at Christmas, the very next day they're already telling what the next thing they want for next year. Um, and when we get the things that we want, we've been waiting for the newest gadget, whether it be the newest iPhone or whatever it be. We always want something better. And it's the same thing as when this uh, potential savior or whoever it may be comes up on Capitol Hill uh, and you think he's going to bring in everything that you've always wanted to in regards to government and then you're still not happy. Happy. The the Christian narrative offers a better story. It offers, hey, we're never going to be satisfied. The reason we're not going to be satisfied is because there's an infinite hole in our heart that only can be filled by Christ. Um, we're never going to find everything that we want in a, a particular political situation. You can have uh, the per- you can have perfect politics and yet still be completely empty. It makes me think of uh, sorry to be talking so much on this one. It makes me think of uh, Blaise Pascal when he talks about the everyone pursues joy um, with it, and he says it's the same reason people go to war, some reason uh, people abstain, some people same reason some people work, and some reason people don't work. And then he he resolves his uh, his whole little illustration with by saying it's the same reason even some people hang themselves and. The, what he's trying to bring out and what Pascal was trying to point out is the fact that everyone is pursuing joy, and we, we think that we're going to find them in certain things. And as Christians, we think that if we have the perfect candidate or if we have even a candidate who's better than the other candidate, that it somehow is going to make our situation better. But we have to remember that our happiness and our ultimate joy is only found in Christ, and it will only be found there. So in the midst of severe persecution like Daniel or like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego or uh, even James talking about in the midst, midst of persecution, our joy is found in Christ. He is our only true Savior. He is the only one who can offer the best narrative 
that's counter to the world. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think something that that we see, uh, or something I'm uh, sorry that we we don't see. I, I don't think we see anywhere in scripture that that we should be changing the culture. Uh, politically, in the sense that um, you, you know that somehow politics and uh, legislation is going to change people. At the end of the day, the human heart is fallen. Uh, scripture says it's deceitful, and politics isn't going to change that. You can put however many people you want on the Supreme Court. You can force what you want down people's um, down people's throats. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's not going to change hearts. And if you look at if you look through the history of Christianity at political power, Christianity does not do well when they are in political power. If you look at uh, if you look at the end of the Roman Empire, um, it was a, Christians weren't near as um, what's the word? Christians weren't near as um, concerned about actually reaching the cult. They weren't as concerned about evangelism. They weren't as concerned about. Um, about being a counterculture because they were the culture. And I think that's what you see in America in the last um, 50, 60 years is, you know, you've, you've had the religious right, and um, you've had Christians basically say, this is what we're going to do, and, and we're going to legislate so that this happens. And, I, you know, I'm sorry, but God didn't strike a special deal with America. We're not ancient Israel. I mean, we're, we're, we are people that are – we're um, – we're pilgrims that are living here, and our home's in heaven. Our citizenship is, is in heaven where we await a Savior. It's not here. And God didn't strike a special deal with us. And, you know, it's that Old Testament, the, the verse in the Old Testament that says if we it's turn and yeah. our land, that's not talking about America. And and so, I, you know, America doesn't have any better of a deal than Italy does or really anybody and so I know it's got off on a tangent there, but I mean we just see that so often that well, well we're going to take this country back to be a Christian nation. It never was a Christian nation. It never will be. There is no such thing as a Christian nation this side of heaven because the kingdom of God has not broken in yet. It's it's not Jesus hasn't came back and, and ushered in his uh, kingdom fully yet. And and trying to realize that here and now is just just not going to be an option. Yeah, I think another thing to keep in mind too, especially because we're coming to the end of the political political time, um, at least for this election period, is to keep in mind. Think about it really shows the heart of a lot of Christianity when things we're discussing online. Facebook obviously doesn't tell you everything that you're thinking about, but majority if the majority of things you're posting or you're talking about, the majority of your discussions are political in nature, yet they're not gospel saturated. Um, I think that's something we need to really challenge. What I mean by that and what I want to bring out is don't talk more about politics and, and, and the hope of of your country being through politics than you do about the hope of your country being the gospel. So, like for example, if you spend more time thinking about uh, politics, more time meditating upon politics uh, than you do meditating before you go to the Lord's Supper, before um, in when you're dwelling upon the Word. I think that's something that we need to really challenge because a lot of people are thinking just like you are that America is the modern-day Israel and that uh, God has special love and care for America, but he doesn't have for other countries. And um, we, we need to get back to the point where we see that uh, our ultimate kingdom is, is Christ and his kingdom. Um, should we have political discussions? Definitely. I think it's very helpful, and I think the issues are very important. But ultimately, we need to realize that uh, we're called to a greater kingdom, and our discussions need to be saturated with that um, also. And that needs to be the primary heart of our, of our conversations rather than 
this political party is going to do this for me, this political party is going to do that for me. Let's bring it back to the gospel and keep the gospel involved in that conversation somehow. Um, it doesn't. It needs to. The gospel needs to instruct our political worldviews um, and guide them, rather than being something that's separated. Um, you know, or, or right-wing candidates who vote Republican no matter what, and Jesus was a Republican. We need to get away from things like that and start thinking um, more as gospel people. Does that make sense? Jesus wasn't. Jesus wasn't a Republican. <laughs> I was unaware. I was unaware of this until now. Thank you for letting me know that. <laughs> I now have freedom I, to vote. <laughs> I, I mean, the Bible, you know what's fascinating is, is Scripture does have a lot to say about politics, and it, it has a lot to say about even um, governments. Um, but, but you know what's funny is there's never room for the Christian to completely trust the government uh, and to uh, basically look at the government as, as their savior. I yeah. mean, we um, – again, it's, it's like we said earlier, if, if we would if we would preach – that uh, if we would preach the kingdom truly, and if we would preach the whole counsel of God, and, and if we are uh, preaching the word, I mean, you do deal with political issues, but when, polit- when when politics, when we're talking about politics, the way an unbeliever's talking about politics with little reference to Christianity, how different are we from unbelievers that are talking, sitting, talking about politics? I mean, we we have uh, we have a special revelation given to us in the Bible that helps us think through those issues, and even as Christians, if we disagree, we still love our brother at the end of the day and, and say, hey, look, you know, we come down different on this, but we're, we're both still we're both still clinging to uh, Jesus' righteousness, so uh, well, we, we can yeah. disagree on this. Let me resolve with this, and then we'll go to a Russell Moore interview, but um, the Sunday after the election, this is uh, the point of our interview with Dr. Moore. Remind people, remind your congregation, remind your friends that our hope is not in this president, but we have a greater hope. So when your party may win or not win, whoever may win, remember that your hope is not a bike. It's not destroyed. Your hope is in something greater. So the Sunday after the election, you still have hope in Christ. And also another point to keep in mind is the Sunday after the election, when you're gathering together with God's people, remember no matter who won, Pray for your leader. Paul talks about that in Second Timothy. He also talks about that in Romans 13 as well. It's that the Christian has a responsibility to pray for our leaders, even when we disagree with them, even when uh, everything they stand for, we cannot stand. At the same time, we're called to be people who are prayer, pray, praying that God will change their heart, that he'll um, to guide them, instruct them, um, that he will make them righteous. So pray for them and pray for the decision. So um, the Sunday after the election, my encouragement to you, and I know Jeremy's encouragement to, to everyone listening, is that you find your hope not in whoever the candidate is, even if it's the person that you, you've long waited to win. I don't think there's a person in this election that that, that, that can be true about. But no matter, <laughs> who, no matter who wins, your hope is not in them. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. Therefore, the Sunday after the election, it's not a time to be depressed. But it's a time to rejoice because you have a resurrected king who is sitting on the throne. He is ruling the universe, and he has all power and all authority. That's what our ultimate hope is. So mm-hmm. with, with that in mind, we're going to go to uh, – we had a short interview with Russell Moore. His name is a very busy man, so uh, his timetable is crunched. So, but uh, we had the joy to talk with him about this similar topic. I hope you guys enjoy it. We are here with uh, Russell Moore, who is uh, the president of the Religious and Ethics Board, uh, the ERLC. Uh, thank you very much for joining our show today. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. 
I know this uh, this political season has been very intense, and I wanted to ask you just a couple of questions, more pastoral. I know you were also previously a pastor as well, and then um, taught at the seminary, uh, Southern Seminary as well. But uh, in light of this uh, current election, if you were a pastor the Sunday after the election, um, how would you advise uh, your congregation? How would you advise your people? I know many people are really torn or uh, will be disappointed after this election. Um, how would you advise them, and uh, how would uh, you preach the following Sunday? Well, I think the main thing is to recognize that politics has become a religion uh, in the United States of America, and that's one of the reasons why people become uh, so uh, either hyped up, excited, or devastated and angry, uh, depending on how an election uh, goes. And so what my main, my main goal would be to try to minimize that, uh, to talk about the fact that our primary identity is uh, within the kingdom of God as brothers and sisters in Christ. And our primary hope is the advance of the kingdom of God. And so to, to minimize the ways that we tend to, to kind of bind our identity up in, in our particular candidates or political parties or, or so forth. And that's especially true after this kind of a crazy election uh, season uh, when people are going to be exhausted. Uh, really, I think across the board, almost everybody is exhausted uh, by, this, uh, by this political year. And so to give a, a vision of a, of a broader hope, I think, is important. Amen. Yeah, that is very helpful. How can um, – I know some pastors uh, recently went to a conference and uh, Tim Keller almost was promoting um, not addressing either party – um, and one of the questions, or next question I wanted to ask you is, how can a pastor help the congregation uh, think through p- political issues without endorsing a candidate or without saying, uh, or without uh, not endorsing a certain candidate? So how can a pastor help uh, his congregation think Christianly in regards to politics? Well, I think the way that you do it is to, to work to shape and form consciences uh, not in the middle of, uh, of a, a heated election cycle. You know, I think what a lot of pastors want to do is to say, how do I come in and address all of the important issues uh, leading up to an election? And, and that's actually not the way to, to do it. In the same way that I'll tell couples in premarital counseling, uh, preparing to marry them, I'll say, here's the way that you should, should have your arguments. Find a time when things are going really well and you've got a, a, a date night that you're really – uh, enjoying, and then talk about uh, the issues where you have some some differences. And no one wants to do that because you think I don't want to ruin the good times. Let's instead uh, let's instead talk about these things when we're in the middle of an argument. But when you're in the middle of an argument, you're not able to actually talk about those issues because those issues are just a substitute for something else uh, going on in your marriage. I think the same thing is true uh, in terms of. Uh, shaping consciences. So we need to be discipling our people through the word uh, to care about uh, various issues, whether it's um, the sanctity of unborn human life or uh, racial justice and reconciliation or um, the structure of the family or uh, care for immigrants and refugees. We we don't do that uh, in the weeks leading up to an election where people are saying, well, wait a minute now, who, who are you talking about? Uh, as much as we do it uh, throughout the rest of, uh, of the year, uh, preparing people to have the kind of impulses to know how to, how to act Christianly in terms of their citizenship. 
That is, that is very helpful. And then uh, we have one more question, just uh, another fun question for you afterwards. But uh, some have said and, um, that the evangelical witness has been tarnished because of this election, some, uh, whether that be the, the president of Liberty endorsing Donald Trump and um, whatever the situation may be, or different people endorsing different people. I think I read recently that Beth Moore endorsed uh, Hillary Clinton. So, um, no, she didn't. She did not. Okay. Uh, thanks for the correction there. Um, whether uh, the evangelical witness has been tarnished in this election. So uh, my question would be how how can pastors and how can churches help recover the evangelical witness um, going forward after this election? Well, I think the way that we recover the evangelical witness is to remember what evangelical actually means. I mean, the word uh, the word is rooted in the word for gospel, uh, good news. And so I think we need to maintain our, our theological distinctiveness. I think that's one of the things that's been confused. I think that the outside world, uh, when they think of evangelical Christians, they tend to think of us uh, primarily as some sort of a political voting bloc, uh, which is not true. That's not how we're defined. And I think we confuse that when, when we are defining as evangelical uh, people who are prosperity gospel heretics and uh, and, and television hucksters and, and others um, in ways that really comp- compromise uh, the definition of the gospel. And so I think uh, the way that we the way that we maintain our witness is by avoiding the temptation that I think a lot of a lot of sane, serious evangelicals have, which is to withdraw. And what happens when we withdraw is that you leave the space there. Uh, in terms of social and political engagement, only for the people who really, really care about politics. Those are not the people who need to be in that space. The people who need to be in in that space are the people who do have a great deal of skepticism about uh, political engagement and alignment. That's exactly what we ought to have. So I think that's the the primary way that we we rebuild. That was very helpful. And then um, two quick, uh, just fun questions for you. I know that uh, you like old country music. Uh, do you have uh, yeah. one or two of your favorite uh, country artists or favorite bands? Well, I, I really like the outlaw tradition, so I like Merle Haggard and uh, Waylon Jennings. Uh, those would be two of my favorites. And then, I mean, of course, Johnny Cash. Uh, Johnny Cash is sort of transcendent about all of them. Definitely. And then the last fun one, just for our listeners uh, who are curious, do you have a, a favorite theological writer? Um, well, that, that's, I suppose I would have to say C.S. Lewis would be, because in terms of my, my whole life, uh, he has been uh, the most shaping and formative. He, he was an important influence on me as a 14, 15-year-old. And I found that he's one of those writers that stays with me. Uh, I can go back and and reread things that I've read, you know, five times before in my life, and still be uh, and, and still be moved and and informed by those things. So C.S. Lewis, there would be others, and Walker Percy uh, has been a big influence on me as well. Uh, Abraham Kuyper, Carl Henry, uh, so several of them. That is very helpful. Well, thank you so much for taking time. I know you're a uh, busy time for you, uh, definitely in this part of the year, but thank you ta- for taking time and your busy schedule um, just to chat well, with us. Well, glad to. All right, you have a blessed day, Glad to do. Blessed to see you. Okay, you right. too. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that this broadcast will be used to strengthen your faith and your love for the local church. Tune in next week when I interview Dr. Brian Chapel and start a brand new series on preaching. The Daily Bruce, a listener-supported broadcast. We exist because of generous donors such as yourself. If you're interested in having your business advertised on our show, please reach out to us through our Facebook page or our website at www.yourdailybrew.com.